What's going on, Drinking Buddies? A brand new podcast coming right at you. But real quick, you know what we got to do first. We got to put a little money in the bank. First and foremost, we are brought to you by the video versions of this podcast. That's right. Experience the madness in full HD at awd.net slash videos. 99 cents an episode or $6 a month gets you all the episodes streaming. There's currently 109 episodes available on Vimeo. More coming. Sadly, we had a camera error with this episode, so there'll be no video version up for this one. Shit happens when you're on the road, man. But be sure to check that out today at anwd.net slash videos. Secondly, we were brought to you by, that's right, the Twitch stream. I'm back. I'm streaming. Check that out today at twitch.tv slash Slayer. I'm streaming mostly Thursdays and Fridays right now, but I'm going to be adding more days as my availability frees up. Come hang out. And if you have Amazon Prime, please, please, please throw me that Prime sub. Once again, that is at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Let's do some drinks and chat, yo. All right. What you're really here for. My guest this week is the owner and founder of Big Laugh Comedy, Brandon Lewin. Brandon's a fellow Chicago guy. We tell some drinking stories, some drug stories, some arrest stories. Talk about comedy in Texas a bit. Big Laugh is at the forefront of Austin's comedy boom. And it was really cool to be down there and see it firsthand. We talk all about it during this week's episode. So in the meantime, sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy drinking buddies. Just want everyone to know that if you ever come to a big laugh comedy show, we always take care of you first. Right. Um, Fuck the guy who brought a microphone. <laughs> Customers come first here at Big Laugh Comedy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm there. Sorry. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, my fucking pleasure. Like, I, we're coming at you for the audio audience from the green room at the Vulcan Gas Company. Yes. I don't know why they let me back here. They <laughs> fucked up. Like, there's a whole bottle of whiskey here and a little <laughs> bottle of whiskey. And, like, I'm unsupervised, so. <laughs> well, I'm, that one, I'm going to have to protect that one. Sorry, so. But oh. that one you go for. Oh, my yeah, God. Cheers, man. Cheers. I mean, I, I love that Brandon just told the audience that we're going to have to wrestle here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> An extra part of the show for you guys. But on the serious note, Brandon is a fellow Chicagoan. Yes. Born and raised in Skokie, Illinois, um, which is funny because whenever you say you're from Chicago, you're never really truly from the city. Most of the time, you always have to follow up that question. What part of Chicago are you from? Right, right. Yeah, like I remember being in a club in fucking New York and ran across some other metalhead dude like, oh, I'm from Chicago. Oh, I'm from Chicago. I'm like, what part? He's like, Palatine. I'm like, yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> My favorite was when they say Schaumburg or Naperville. It's like, dude, that's not even fucking close, man. You're not even, you're barely in the same county. Yeah. At least we are like neighbors of the city, right? Like, so like from Evanston and Skokie, we were right on the cusp. Like it took me five minutes to get to the city if I needed to. I grew up four blocks north of Rogers Park. So there you go. Yeah. You knew that. So fucking amazing. I did end up living for all my adult life in the city though. I went to DePaul University. So I started off in Lincoln Park, uh, you know, with all the frat boys over there and, um, and then I, I bounced around all over. I ended up in uh, Wicker Park and Ukrainian Village. And then we started, I, I got married to my wife and we started the progressive move to the suburbs right before we moved down here. So we ended up in Andersonville, which actually is pretty dope, but it's like fucking quiet, a quiet and, part of the city. But fucking Ann Sathers, man. You yes. Oh my God. So good, dude. It's amazing. So yeah, the food is incredible in Chicago, but you know, nice thing about Austin is they also, Austin has some really fucking good food too. Just different styles, you know? Well, and from what I understand, you guys got a fucking Rosati's down here now. So, oh dude, <laughs> I get it like every couple of weeks. <laughs> I get the thin crust because it just brings me back home. You know, like the thin crust Chicago style is the most underrated pizza of all pizzas. 100%, 100% agree. 
I'm so happy in the last year, year and a half or so, they opened a Geno's East in LA. Oh, nice. Okay. Because like we had a decent deep dish spot. Massive Echo Park uses Gulliver's. You you know probably know Gulliver's over on Howard. Yes, I know. I've I don't know if I've actually ever eaten at Gulliver's, but I know of it though for sure. I think it's gone now, but oh. they're using Gulliver's recipes. So like it's a legit uh-huh. like okay, this is this is legit, but. Who wants fucking deep dish all the goddamn time? It's it's rough, man. That's a lot of food. But I have to say, like, we will every like couple months or so we'll order some like Luminati's, you know, over online. So we get the frozen one. It's not quite the same, but it is that Luminati's it's shout out to Luminati's. Uh they are my favorite deep dish in Chicago, hands down. As much as I it will pain some people to hear it. I'm all about the Giordano's. Oh man. You know, the only thing I like about Giordano's, I mean, the pizza's all right. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the fact that Derek Rose bought into it. So, like, I like it just because of that reason. <laughs> See, Derek Rose got taste. He gets injured a lot, but he's got taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, living in Wicker Park, yeah. you definitely have to have some drinking stories because that's all there is to do in that fucking neighborhood. Oh, for sure. Um, well, and hard drugs, but. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny because I'm trying to think like I didn't have any super crazy drinking stories when I lived in Lincoln Park or Wicker Park. Um, It was actually when I was a freshman. I I got all my shit out like early on in life. Like I had this period of time in my life about like 19 to 20 that I just maybe extend that a little bit. Maybe 1921. I got fucking hammer drunk. And like I was... I look back on it, and I'm like, man, how the hell did I survive? I used to be able to drink a full handle of Jack Daniels, or not handle, a full, a full, um, uh, what is it called? A fifth. A full oh, fifth. I'm on the internet. You can exaggerate a little. Like, yeah, just <laughs> a whole fucking handle. Oh, my God. They're going to be like, Jesus Christ, this guy has no liver left. <laughs> no, no. It's just a well-conditioned liver. Well-conditioned. <laughs> yeah, Jack Daniels and my shit, man. I used to drink like, a whole bottle of that and be able to go out and still fucking drink. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then I got, I got older, but, um, if you want to go, if you want me to jump right into it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, my the, audience is all about that. Okay. Just- this is by far probably my best story that I have and probably the only really good one that I'm willing to share. Um, but it is a little, I like, I, shout out if my wife ever sees this, I'm sorry, baby. I love you. I, this was way before you. So I, lo- I love when stars stories start with that disclaimer, like some of the best stories ever told on the show start with a baby. I love you. I, I didn't even know you existed when this happened. Like I didn't mean to raw dog that person. This is well before you. Those are the best fucking stories. Yes. Well, that that's kind of like, all right, so let me get into it. All right. So I was uh, I was a freshman in college. I was back visiting my friends for the first time. Uh, I mean, it wasn't far. I went from city and we were in like Highland Park hanging out, but it was like some break. I forgot what it was. But we end up back then. It's like the only way to party is that we would go to the Red Roof Inn. And the Red Roof Inn, you get a cheap fucking room. You could smoke in there. You drink, you party, you have a good time. And then you leave by like 11, 12 o'clock so you don't fucking disturb everybody. So uh, we got to the hotel room and I, I was in my groove and I grabbed my Jack Daniels and I drank half of it in like an hour and a half. Half a handle, guys. Remember, it's half a handle. <laughs> exactly. Remember that. Handle. Um, I, <laughs> no pussies over here. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're drinking, right? We're like, we're smoking some weed. We're having a good time. And my ex-girlfriend shows up there and she's she's a bit crazy. Um, and she uh, we're, we're talking, we're hanging out. And later on in the night, she's like, hey, I got to take my friend back home um up to the further suburbs and she's like do you want to come with me i'm like sure whatever i was like fucked up and uh i sit in the back seat she drives her up she drops her off she pulls over to the side uh to go to the gas station she needs some gas she comes in the car and she's like hey uh what do you do you want to drive and i was like sure you know i thought it was a good idea at the time um I jump in the driver's seat and we take off and we're driving back and she goes, she looks at me, she's like, so what do you want? And I was like, oh, well, you know what I want. And so she proceeded to uh, give me uh, roadhead as we're driving back. And all I remember from the time that we left uh, the gas station to right before uh, we got to the Red Roof Inn was there was flashing lights behind me. And next thing you know, I was like, oh, shit. And I'm like, 
kind of like, you know, putting the head back, whatever. And I'm like, fuck. So we pull into the Red Roof Inn and um, the cop comes by my window and he goes, uh, he starts asking me questions and he asked me to get out of the car. So I get out of the car and as soon as I step out of the car, my pants fall down to my ankles and I'm sitting there in my boxers with my pants around and there's two male officers who are laughing their asses off and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, dude, I like, look at who's in my fucking passenger side. I'm like, what do you think I was doing? And they were cracking up. Now, I also, uh, when I was a freshman in high school or in college, uh, I sold weed. And so I had like, I think I had about an ounce of weed um, broken up in like different amounts in my pocket. And so he searched my pants and found the weed and I look at the police officer and he like smells it and he goes, oh, it smells good. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, why don't you just keep it? And we'll just call it a day. I'm like, I'm going right here, the red roof in. I'm like, we just, you know, let me go on my way. <laughs> He's like, are you bribing me right now? I was like, absolutely not. And, um, so anyway, I, I had finished my business with her and I get arrested. I go in and sh- and I sitting in the jail and they're interrogating me because of the weed, trying to find out who my source is. And I, I'm a snitch. So um, I'm sitting there and next thing you know, I get bailed out. The girl shows up. Uh, I come out of the car or coming out of the police station. I didn't know who bailed me out. But sure enough, it was her, her and her current boyfriend. And I get into the back seat of the car and she looks at me, she looks at her boyfriend and she kisses her boyfriend, like makes out with him right in front of me while I'm sitting in the back seat. And I'm like, holy fucking shit. And she drove me back to the hotel. I passed out. And then I dealt with that shit for after that. So you heard it here first, folks. Big Laugh Comedy, paid for by weed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was uh, funded by weed. (laughs) Like most good comedy. Yes, exactly, man. I mean, shit, it's so funny. Like, I talk to friends about it now, like people who like sell weed for a living. And like, even here, I I guess I'm not going to name any names, but it's like, it's still, it's crazy. I have a friend um, who's been selling weed since, fuck, I don't even know, like since I was in high school. So probably like 20 years. He's been selling weed and now it's legal, but he still sells it. He doesn't run a dispensary or anything like that. So he just still sells it. Now he's just a fucking bootlegger. Yeah, man. And it fucking, but he makes a really good living doing it. Well, I, I totally get it because fucking at least California, it's like 35% tax for recreational. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can get decent quality weed for fucking less without having to pay the taxes. I get it. That's the thing, man. I remember when they legalized it, like fully recreational in Canada, I saw people on Twitter talking about Rogan's um, Seth Rogan's uh, weed strand. And they were like, and, and then I started going down the rabbit hole of the comments and shit like that. And there was tons of people talking about how, Oh man, I fucking wish it wasn't recreational anymore. It's, it's so expensive. The black market stuff so much better and it's cheaper and all that stuff. And I was like, man, I went to Denver a couple, like a couple months ago, and I bought weed from there, and I bought it like an eighth for like twenty seven dollars. I've never in my life paid twenty seven dollars for an eighth. Like I don't know what people were talking about, but maybe it's different in each state. But like Colorado, I was like, great fucking weed, not fucking expensive. Well, I think Colorado because they got such a fucking surplus because they went first. Yeah, they don't have possible. California's like we need every fucking cent we can get. Yeah, thirty five percent fucking. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I remember it being kind of expensive out there. What is it, like $60 an eighth or something like that or more? I have no fucking idea. Uh, All I know is, like, I will fuck with edibles once in a blue moon. And when I do, it's just like, this candy bar is going to cost me, like, $90. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a little fuck. ridiculous. Um, I guess it's going to be different for each state. I mean, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, because it's, it's such a weird situation where it's like, oh, hey, it's federally still a schedule one so the states are just like eh, fuck the federal laws eh, we're gonna charge whatever the fuck we want yeah i mean who fucking cares we have like 85 flies i think they like fucked in the corner and just yeah duplicated. just <laughs> like i don't know what the fuck like i'm kind of <laughs> embarrassed were- i swear they weren't here before i showed up like i just rolled in. i like, don't think so either and i'll be honest with you <laughs> i just rolled in they're just like what up we're here with the show these are actually my roadies <laughs> the the road crew yeah i get it man um 
Yeah, man. I, I like. I hope. I wish Texas would legalize it, but I don't think they're going to before it becomes federally legal. To be yeah, honest, yeah, I don't. Which is dumb. You think like what? Well, it's supposed to be a red state where like, hey, we don't believe in big government oversight. Yeah, and we believe in making money. We'd be like, no, no, you can't have marijuana. Like in this government oversight, and yeah, it's fuck not making money. It doesn't make any sense, man. And it, like, I, I, I try to think about like who could be in their pocket to tell them that they shouldn't be fucking doing this. Um, but I can't think of anyone like big oil is not going to tell them not to do that. Like maybe big pharma. That's the only thing I could think of. I think maybe I big pharma, that. but like- yeah, cause big pharma has got to be like if it medicinal, because it, think about it, medicinal marijuana has knocked out a bunch of fucking pills, you know? Yeah. But this isn't fucking West Virginia where like they're having an opioid em- epidemic. Like, eh, but still, I don't I, like, again, I don't know. I don't know enough about the local economy to know. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually fucking know either. It's just like, <laughs> I'm just taking guess. I'm yeah. Right. I'm an ignorant podcast host, and like I don't even smoke weed, so I have no fucking. Idea. Really? Yeah. Okay. I love smoking weed though. See, me and THC, we just we don't get along. No, I get no. Like I'll smoke or I'll eat edible, and I'm just unconscious. Unfucking really? conscious. That just means you have to get used to it. Yeah, but that's a lot of days lost to get <laughs> used to it. Like, I like I drinking. The rest of you know, I, you never know. I like drinking. I like hallucinogenics. So okay. all right, cool. You like shrooms? Oh yeah. I uh, just started doing microdosing. Oh, I macro. You macro? Dude, I cannot macro. I did the last time I macroed, I thought I was in fucking hell. Oh. It was like I took a three, I took a whole eighth. It was a long time ago. And like I all I wanted to do for like six hours was get off of the shrooms. I was like, fucking, can we just come down? Can I come down? I tried to everything in the world and it wouldn't fucking work. It was the crazy experience I've ever had, and I like swore off of it. But moving here. And within the last like year, I have met so many people who fucking do shrooms. Like we did a show here and I saw, I'm not going to name names, but someone went up on stage and right before they went up on stage, they fucking down a cup of like fucking powder of shrooms and like the stuff that you put in like the capsules. And he took a half a cup and just downed it. I was like, oh, fuck. I'm like, you got to get on stage. Yeah. Cause by the time that metabolizes, that's a whole nother show. Oh man. I mean, he, you could start, you could see it progressively come, like get in. You could see it working through him as he was coming on stage, coming off, coming on. It was fucking wild, dude. It was still a great show, though. It was fantastic. We've had other people who do late shows here and they will do like edibles, like large amounts of edibles, like large milligrams. And then they'll pop, like maybe pop some shrooms or something like that. And it's like, yo, I mean, people do it. It fucking works. Like, I, I like the microdose though because it's like not overly, it, like, you don't start hallucinating. It just kind of takes the edge off. Like, I, I like to say, like, when you do microdose, it like it changes the tint of the world a little bit. Yes, perfect example. I did it for the first time this past weekend, to be honest with you, and I did it with my kids. Not that I was driving or anything. We were in an isolated. You area. gave your kids shrooms. That's pretty progressive yeah, yes. of you. <laughs> Yes, I was like, here, kids, you do this. I'll do this one. No, 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 don't, don't take that the wrong way, people. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I took, I took like it was like 0.5 grams, and um, we were at a water park, and uh, we were at a hotel, and I fucking had the best time of my life. Like I had conversations with my kids. I like, I even ended up having a business meeting later on in the day, and it just opens your mind. Like someone explained to me who who gives it to me is like. It opens your third eye. I'm like, fucking, that's for real, though. I mean, like, it's it crazy. Really is. Yeah. For me, it just kind of washes away the stress. It does, man. It, it stress. Like, and what I found is that um, my, my voice is cracked there. Um, <laughs> um, Going through puberty on mic, folks. Yeah, don't, mind, no. don't mind. Don't mind. Don't <laughs> mind. For the second time. What is this? Um, the man, it, it, it was just wild. Like, I, I remember being so happy and so go lucky and like, just like, very energetic but very happy to be where i was and then i could feel some stress some kind of come through but i felt it and i like it's like you release it and it sounds i think it sounds weird that i say that <laughs> but it's it's kind of the fucking truth though oh it 100 is and it was one of those things like i got kind of deep into shrooms during 2020 like oh, no i shit. had probably done more psychedelics in the last year year and a half than i had what else would you do with your life well you know exactly trapped indoors for me, drinking social. So it's like, yeah, I'm not going to just sit there and be like, yep, 
pound some whiskey by myself, but tripping by yourself is fine. I, I like your like philosophy. Like You were willing to do psychedelics by yourself with no one else around, but you're not willing to smoke weed and maybe sleep for like half the day by yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, I can get like, shit done on Shroom. <laughs> what are you going to get done, though? What were you getting done? I was making like weird YouTube videos. Oh, <laughs> Like I, I may have. Uh, Can you cut to that and throw throw a clip up there from one of the videos that you sure, did? Sure, sure. <laughs> I'll cut into the one where I uh, green screen myself into the scene from Rome when they murdered Caesar. I'll be in a bathrobe in the background, like, holding my phone, like filming it. <laughs> and you're on shrooms doing that. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I want to see that. Can you give me the clip yeah, after I'll this? Hold right. on my YouTube. All right, done. perfect. <laughs> That's amazing. I just you know, I got it would help the creativity because it was just like. Yeah, that's what someone said, man. They're like, you should take it with your team. I was like, I'm not drugging people. Like, sorry. No, like, no. that's not. Let I'm them not know. Drug- yeah, well, yeah. But still, I'm like, I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, let's sit around and, I mean, I guess it's kind of progressive, but I don't know. I don't know. That seems, this still seems kind of unusual to me. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a dick move. I may have done it to one person one time. Oh, really? <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was with LSD. It wasn't shrooms, but. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I, I was in uh, Jumbo's Clown Room in L.A. Uh-huh. A buddy of mine was in from Chicago having a real rough time of it. And he invited his friend out, who's now my friend, who's I don't even know how it came up. She's like, yeah, I got a bunch of liquid acid in my purse. <laughs> She's like, I, I microdose. I'm like, well, I like to microdose. Can you, you hook a brother up? And she just poured some fucking LSD in my fucking whiskey. And we're just we're in Jumbo's, which is supposed to be a happy place. Uh-huh. And we're drinking. And my buddy's just. Looks like he's having the worst time of his life. And we both kind of came to the decision that he needs some LSD too. <laughs> so we hooked him up. And a couple hours later, we told him we did it. I mean, and how did he react to that? At first, he was fine. And then he may have tried to walk out into traffic later in the night, but I stopped him. I stopped him. A good friend. I think my favorite tripping experience has always been acid. Like, I've always had a good time. Like, shrooms, I've never had a good time. Well, no, I take that back. I've had a couple good times, but. I feel like shrooms, you have to be in a more mental, like a good mental state. And again, I took these shrooms when I was like going through my 19, like 19, 20, 21. And at that time, I had so much shit going on that mentally I was not there. So like I would go down these fucking holes and I'm like, man, this is not fun. I don't do this shit. But I took LSD and I was like, man, like fucking red lights. You like you see the like you're waving I'm like shit. I'm doing that right now. I'm like, I see it. It's like fucking flashbacks, um, dude. And I would I also did it probably. I think I did the first time I did acid. No, no. Shrooms. First time I did shrooms, I was like 17 years old and I was living it with my parents, obviously. I was still in high school and uh, I had black light posters all over my room. And so I went home. Oh, I remember this exactly. I was with some friends who weren't taking shrooms. I popped a bunch of them and we were driving around and this girl was driving me and I started tripping and this guy was in the backseat. It was a an Asian guy wearing uh, one of those those Raiden hats and he started throwing up gang signs. We were like, I think we were in like Northbrook or some shit. Like the stupidest the fucking fuck? place. Exactly. The stupidest fucking place is suburbs of Chicago. Like, yeah, this is like, like very suburbs. wealthy. Yeah, very wealthy suburbs. So this kid who's probably like really fucking wealthy started throwing up gang signs at me and I basically took his gang sign. I didn't know what it was and I just threw it down. And if you know anything about gang signs, you don't do that. It's disrespectful. So I I did it on purpose because I like to push buttons like that. And uh, he got out of the car and I was like, yo, hit him. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the girl driving the car would not do that. (laughs) It's the fucking worst. That is the worst fucking wing woman right there. We're about to get into a fight. Hit him with the car. (laughs) Woman, do you want me to get my ass kicked? What do you want? Did I do something to piss you off here? Hit him with the fucking car. I don't know why you're not listening to me. God damn it. <laughs> he got out of his car. We are in a fight now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we end up taking off. They got never fucking messed around. But man, I they dropped me off at home. They're like, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I just took some shrooms. They're like, maybe we should drop you off. I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. So I ended up going home. But I remember I put on like Pink Floyd and shit. And I had the Black Lives posters. And I man, I had the best fucking time in the world. But that was the like I think the only, like second time I've ever had a really good time on shrooms. The other time is I took it with a bunch of friends and we sat in a room for literally six hours. Just everyone sat in the same seats. It was in the middle of the winter. We all still had our winter coats on and just sat in a house in one room with like six dudes. And we just 
each were in our own little worlds. I remember I had a fucking knife. It was like a Rambo knife. It was like got this long, and I was just playing with it, like just looking at it, playing with it. Everyone else was like looking at their hands. And you know, when you're on shrooms, it, like the time goes by really slow. So like six hours felt like a whole fucking day. That's one of the things I love and hate about shrooms at the same time. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this is lasting forever. And then sometimes like, holy fuck, this is lasting <laughs> forever. <laughs> I, I would like to not be high now. Mm-hmm. And this is why I don't do LSD all that often anymore, because LSD is a time commitment. You're just like, it is. if I'm going to take a hit of acid, I'm, this is what I'm doing today. You're going to do the full, yeah, you're going to do the full fucking thing. I have uh, some friends who do, that, especially during the pandemic, we're doing like, I think they did peyote or no, iota. Ayahuasca. I- ayahuasca, that's it. Iota. <laughs> I still want to do ayahuasca. I still want to do They it. did it and they did it in this like, like with shamans and all that shit. Did and they go down to fucking Peru or some shit? Or? They did it not in a third. And it was somewhere around here. I don't remember if it was here or Mexico or some shit like that, but it was somewhere cl- close, but it was down South. And well, I guess we are South, but it was, it was somewhere around here. Um, and it wasn't too fucking far. Maybe it was like Arizona or some shit like that. But I just remember she told me that she did it. And I told my wife, my wife's half black, half Puerto Rican. She looks at me. She's like, that's some white people shit right there. <laughs> it's really, it's really not white people shit. It's actually very much brown people. Yeah, shit. I know. But it's like, but now it's like, because the um, there's not a whole lot of Native Americans anymore. And it's not a cultural thing. It has become a white. It's like fucking, it's like pumpkin spice lattes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, like, I'm going to go to Coachella. Yes. And I'm going to do some ayahuasca. Exactly. And dress like a fucking neo hippie. <laughs> there, there's this ex-porn star uh, who's deep in that shit who I talk to all the time. She's like, I cannot wait to do ayahuasca with you. Just all, I'm like, all right, girl, I, I will. You're gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. I, I, that would be fun to do that with like a porn star. Uh, it was supposed to be a few porn stars this Saturday, but the, she told me like, you're not supposed to drink for three days before. And I'm like, I'm going to be in Austin. There is zero chance of me being sober <laughs> for three days before yeah, we're doing this. As so you finish that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've been on bender the whole time here. I also nice. may have allegedly smuggled, uh, two eighths of chocolate bars and mushrooms down here too. Oh no, no shit. Nice. And, like pretty much got off the plane on Tuesday and ate 40% of a candy bar. So holy shit. And you, how are you feeling? Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Robert Dean and I went out to a couple bars. I kept trying to peer pressure him into having some. No, I got, I got too much work to get done. I, I, I can't do mushrooms now. Like, I feel like I don't know how Bobby would do with fucking mushrooms. I feel like if anyone in my life needs it, he needs it. He, yeah, but he needs like microdose. Like you can't fucking he can't go macrodose. Well, no, I was just going to give him a square. It's like what's you know, a square was. Well, like, it's so it's an eighth per candy bar and there's okay. 10 squares. All right. I still I, math point three five ish. Why can't we figure this out? Point three five grams. <laughs> point three five grams. I got it. So uh, Bobby's roommate did us square. And he's like, I, I think their math is bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. That's the thing with like edibles. You can't really like fucking measure it. At least now that they, they come in those like those fucking capsules. And that's what I did. And, you know, like two of those capsules are half a gram. So, like, you take it, and you're fucking fine. But, like, squares, it's like anything else. It's like when you take a fucking edible, it's like, oh, yeah, I only took a bite out of it. But was it the really heavy part of it? Or was it just the, the non-heavy part of it? Joe Rogan used to have a bit about, like, you know, the foot of the gummy bear making you see God. Yes. <laughs> and it's just, it's so true with edibles. Uh, I, I was I was doing pretty good. I was. Oh, so I got a good edible story. Uh, I hadn't, I'm, we moved down here and uh, I hadn't smoked a whole lot of weed since like I moved away from Chicago. Even when I was in Chicago, I didn't like smoke a whole lot of weed. I kind of stopped when we had kids. I feel like though parents should smoke more weed like that would help out a lot it has helped me out a lot i'm telling you like that once i got back into it but what, just I, giving the kids secondhand smoke so they go to sleep yeah. <laughs> that and edibles you know whatever yeah, i need to hey, do hey just have a gummy bear yeah you're fine it's nap time have yeah, a gummy yeah, bear. yeah. <laughs> no one's drug testing kids it's fine you're not gonna fuck up the career oh prospects. my god oh fuck yeah i know i i wouldn't do that I fucking took an edible, but I had a friend, we had some friends that started making homemade fucking butter. And again, you don't know how much is in the butter, right? Like you like really don't. And we were at a barbecue and I had, we had like friends over like other families. It was like an adult barbecue, kids running around. My friend, I'm cooking up burgers. My friend goes, Hey, do you want some butter on your burger? I was like, sure. Why not? And he takes it and he lathers it on the top. 
I just see him to this. I'm like, oh shit. Like I didn't know any better though. And so I uh I was so far removed from actually like smoking weed that I had no idea what like how this would affect me. And I ate the burger and for the first hour I was like, oh man, this fucking is great. Like I am having conversations. I don't have to worry about anything. Like I didn't go mute. Like sometimes if I like especially when I didn't smoke weed, just like you, like I would either pass out or I kind of go mute. I'd be like in my own little world. So I was like, oh man, this is great. I'm having a great time. Hour number two rolls around. I walk into the bathroom. I look myself in the mirror. I'm like, fuck. Like everything was like, wah, 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 wah. I was like, oh my God. It was so intense. The high just like fucking kicked it up a notch. And the thing about edibles, and I love when comedians, because there's a comedian, Josh Wolf has this, talks about edibles. But edibles, like the difference between smoking weed and edibles is the edibles, you keep climbing, climbing, climbing. And you don't know whenever you're going to fucking peak, but you might not ever peak. You might just stay up there for a while. <laughs> and that's what happened to me is I was like going, going, going. I got out of the bathroom. And I think I lost function in my legs. Like I couldn't, it felt like I was like those, that wobbly giraffe that you see in the gifts that was like going all over the place. And I'm walking out of the bathroom and I hold onto the TV stand. And my son, who was three at the time, came up to me and was like, uh, or maybe it was like four, but he was like, hey, dad, I was like talking to me. And I was like, here, shut up. And I put my hand on top of his head and I used him as a crutch, like hold on the TV stand and his head to walk across the room. And my friend and his wife, my friend who gave me the edibles and his wife were sitting on the couch watching me do this and were cracking the fuck up. And I was like, fuck you for doing this to me. And I, I finally, I got down to the couch and I look over my wife and she comes over and she's like, are you okay? I was like, no. I'm like, you need to get everyone out of the fucking house. Like they have to go. <laughs> <laughs> so sure enough, she ended up kicking everybody out and I passed out of the couch for like, for like three hours. And I, I can remember I was passed out. Kids walk by and they're like, why is daddy so tired? And mommy's like, don't worry. He's okay. He's like, and then I got up and she was like, you're a fucking idiot. You know that? <laughs> hey, I was like, I know, I know. At least you had, you know, the common sense to have your wife get everybody out. You just didn't like leave and go to sleep. Like, yeah, no. In the middle of the party, be like, I wasn't what? that rude. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you did it right. You're like, party's over. I gotta lay down. Yes, exactly. Oh, man. But like after that, I was like, I am not doing edibles again. And then uh, and then when I started smoking weed, it became better. I like edibles now. Like I like fucking popping like maybe like actually I can handle them now. So I'll pop like 40 milligrams and feel pretty fucking nice. But yeah, before I was like such a bitch about it. Like it, you got to build your, your tolerance up, you know? Dude, I think I just got called a bitch on my own podcast. Yeah, God damn. Pretty much. God damn. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Woo. That was a challenge, my friend. Challenge. Well, I'm not taking that challenge tonight. I want to watch a comedy show. <laughs> I don't want to a bunch of LA comics who know me to roll and be like, why is Slayer just sleeping in the green room? <laughs> Wake up with no shoes. Oh, man. I'm going to get all the bitch in there. going to be like, yo, get this fucking guy out of the fucking green room. He's right. like passed out on the couch. Oh, I couch. snore too. I oh, fucking snore. Oh, that'd be hilarious. They'd be the couch guy. This fucking fly is like all up in my business right now. It's on my forehead. It was trying to get on the mic. Dude, it's an attention hog. It just wants to be on camera. I know. It's like, motherfucker, I want to. It's my show now. Yeah, give me my 15 minutes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) So, how did you end up down here and like, how did Big Laugh get started? Well, we'll ask the real question for a second here. All right. So, let's let's get serious here for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little. Not not too serious. No, no. It's why I love comedy, man. You could just like have a fucking good time. Um, honestly, I'm, I moved down here six years ago with my wife and we had two kids at the time. She was pregnant. Um, we were in Chicago for, I was in Chicago for my whole life. My wife's from Miami. So she's like, fuck this cold weather. And finally, like I had gotten fired from a job. I was working at an agency. Um, but I always was an entrepreneur. So I was actually just a bad employee because once you work for yourself, it's hard to work for somebody else. It really is like, Oh, I know. Yeah. It's rough, man. So I was just, I I bounced from three different agencies within three and a half years. Um, and, and was successful everywhere I went. I just was a bad fucking employee because they would tell me to do stuff. And I was like, nah, I don't want to fucking do that. And so anyway, I got fired from the job. So we moved down here and my wife was, you know, she was pregnant, but she, I I talked to her. We were like, I had just started my own agency again. We were doing pretty well. I was working from everywhere else. Uh, and, and I was like, you know what? We can move somewhere. And so I asked her where she wanted to move. We figured out Austin was the, one of the best spots for family. Cost of living was very nice. It was warm, obviously. 
For me though, personally, I always tell people this, I did it for growth purposes, man. Like I always uh, read and listened and, and heard people talk about it. if you want to grow, you have to remove yourself from your comfort zone. And so I said, like, what better way to do that than to move away from my support system while my wife's pregnant with a third kid and we have two little other kids and we'll just move somewhere where we know nobody at. And so that's what we did. And it, at first it worked out great. Like community in, in, in Texas is fucking phenomenal. Like they, when, when um, Harper, our youngest was born for a week and a half, people brought over food. We had two other kids in Chicago, family, friends, grew up there. Never once did those motherfuckers bring us fucking food. I, after that happened in Texas, I used to call people up. It's like, hey, look what happened. They brought us food. Where the fuck were you guys when the other kids were born? <laughs> um, but it was great, man. And, you know, like we moved on here. I was working for myself. I, I still worked for myself, and um, I started getting into comedy about a year into it. I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna figure out. I want to do something that I love to do. Comedy was one of those things. I tested it out, and I studied it, and I started doing it. What I quickly realized, though, is I was. I wasn't I wasn't built for the stand-up comedy. Like situational and also DNA just wasn't in my bones. Like I don't like to do the same thing over and over and over again. I like to actually like create something, set it up, kind of let it run by its own and then move on to something else. Well, and that's the kind of reason that like I've never gotten into stand-up. People have been like, oh, are you a comic? I'm like, I am not a fucking comic. Mm -hmm. That's why I love podcasting because it's like, oh, I can be funny. I can be fun, but it's different every fucking time. Yes. And, and, you know, and I think it's being, when you can be self-aware and you can understand what you're good at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, it makes for better situations. So I quickly realized that shit. And I actually found that I started producing shows because originally when I was doing comedy, I wanted to get in front of a real audience. It was like, fuck dupe and open mics. Like, I want to see how I do in front of a real audience. I probably shouldn't have done that, but it led me to doing producing shows and we, we sold out our first couple shows. Uh, first show, I sold a hundred tickets. We actually had people who wanted to buy tickets that couldn't get in there because the fire marshal wouldn't let us put in more than a hundred people in the place. So, but we sold them at, a, at like an average about $17 a ticket. So it wasn't a cheap ticket, hundred tickets. People had a great fucking time. Only about a fourth of the people that showed up actually knew who I was. Everyone else was from like Facebook because we ran Facebook ads and I am from a marketing, I have a marketing background. So I like, I knew how to do that. So it worked out well, but then I just, it started progressing and, and uh, <clears throat> long story short, it led me into, to wanting to do comedy full time. My goal was 2020 going comedy full time. And then uh, I had Dean Del Rey, who was our first, uh, Dean is phenomenal. One of my favorite fucking comedians. He opened up for Bill Burr like uh, in 2018, I saw him. He killed it. 15 minutes, fucking killed it. So I was like, man, I'm gonna bring this guy. We're gonna do a show here. We'll sell 300 tickets, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, <laughs> Mar it, the show is March 7, 2020. Oh no. I remember Dean shows up. He's like got newspaper in his hands. He's like, man, this shit is crazy. He's like, airport was like fucking like ghost town. It was wild. And we only had, we only sold like a third of the tickets. So, I mean, people still came out, but it was just unaware like what was going to happen. And sure enough, a week later, the, the world shut down. And, uh, and I was actually at a point where that was my big first show. And I was going to use that as a springboard to do it full time. But COVID had other fucking reasons. And so for the next like couple of weeks, I, I was trying to figure out the lay of the land of how things were going to work during this shutdown. And then finally I came to the decision. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take a risk. I talked to my wife about it. She's, she's always been supportive. I was like, baby, I'm going to do this. We're going to do that. We have this set up. We got things taken care of. She's like, all right, I trust you. Let's fucking do it. So we went in, I went in and did comedy full time in a pandemic where you actually couldn't do live comedy. So we did things online and I paid people. We grew the company. We changed the name. We built out branding. We developed relationships. And then when things started to slowly open up again here in Texas, uh, you know, I always say that the, like the universe provides opportunities and, and it did. It put me in touch with Nick, who's the owner of Vulcan. And uh, he, Vulcan was and is one of the largest EDM clubs in Austin, if not the largest. And, but obviously with COVID and things opening up, he couldn't 
fill the same amount of people in here. So he had to pivot and bring in other shows. Um, one of the things he was interested in doing was comedy. And so that's how we connected. And he had already done some EDM shows. So he had the tables laid up or laid out. He knew how all that set up the process work. He's like, you know what? You do the comedy, you book all the comedy, you turn this into a comedy club. You know, first originally we were only going to do it thir- one, one night a week. And then, man, dude, that that changed pretty quickly. So we started doing every week. Um, fourth show we did, we sold out a hundred tickets at the time. Everything was socially distanced, mask wearing in, taking temperatures, doing all the precautionary measures uh, like a restaurant would. And then fifth show, Tony Hinchcliffe. We I booked Tony Hinchcliffe come here on a Wednesday night. Sold it out, one hundred forty three tickets. He calls me up during the day. He's like, or texts me. Uh, he goes, hey. Is there a place on 6th Street that Ron White can park his tour bus on? I was like, no, there is not a place on fucking 6th Street. I don't know if you've ever been down here before, but there's no way you're parking a fucking tour bus on here. And so he was like, all right, we'll figure it out. So uh, he, calls, he texts me like two hours later. He tells me that Rogan is going to come out. And so now we have Tony Hinchcliffe, Joe Rogan, and Ron White doing a show during the pandemic here at Vulcan in Austin, Texas. It was the first show that Ron White had done in eight months. It was the first show that Rogan did since he's moved here to Texas. And so it was phenomenal. It was fan- that put us on the map. Now, after that, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Tony hadn't moved down here yet, but him and I stayed in touch and we were just talking and, and, uh, and then, you know, we kept on booking out bigger headliners and the more and more we did, we had like Jeremiah Watkins came through, Ali Mikowski did a show in November. She sold the place out. I mean, we got these people on the fucking walls now and it just started to progress after January though. Like I made a commitment to myself during that time. I was still going full time, but because of the shows and we weren't doing it as much, I had to pay some bills. We weren't making a whole lot of money at the time. Um, so I was still dry. I started driving DoorDash. I was just like, I was fucking committed to it. I was not willing to go back. And I was like, I'm going forward. So I drove DoorDash from the time we started shows in like late September, all the way through the second week of January. And it was grueling, man. I remember I was like talking to like, I was texting Tony Hinchcliffe while I'm dropping like food off from like Chipotle, you know, like fucking that type of shit. And it was wild to me that like, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm interacting. I booked Donnell Rawlings to come here. I, I We ended up going seeing um, uh, Chappelle and Rogan when they were doing the Stubbs shows in December. And I was still driving DoorDash, but I was like, I know I'm going to be at this level really fucking soon. And I just kept pushing and pushing. And I made a commitment in January that we were going to do multiple shows every fucking week. And so we started off doing like two shows a week at that point. Then it it kind of just morphed. And now we're doing seven days a week. Seven days a week we're doing shows. We got Kill Tony on Mondays. We do every other Sunday we do a show. Uh, we have uh, Death Squad that does it on Thursdays. Rogan right now is doing Tuesday, Wednesdays with us. Uh, and then we have headliners that come in and play the weekends. And it's fucking great. And Austin Comedy is really developing, man. It's it's changed so much since pre-pandemic because of Rogan and everybody else who's moved down here and, and the talent that's followed them. It's phenomenal. It's a fun place to be at, man. I don't think it's as developed as people would like it to be. I don't think it's quite, it's not peaked and won't be for a while, but there's clubs that are popping up um, and lots and lots of stage time and opportunity. And it's just like, you can feel the excitement. I mean, you're visiting it and you'll see it tonight, but like the excitement of comedy, like Austin was prepared for this shit. It was primed because it was always the music capital of the world. Right. And so they were conditioned to go out and see live performances. But you know, the funny thing is during the pandemic, no one, people came out, people came out, they were socially distanced. Some people didn't give a fuck about all that shit. And then, um, but they still came out, they respected the the situation and music wasn't around at the time. So the only live performances they had was comedy. And what's the best, what's, what better medicine than laughter, right? 100%. 100%. And that was our goal. That was our goal. Why we committed to comedy during the pandemic, doing stuff online to doing stuff now. This is great though. This has been fun, man. Um, I really enjoyed it. Comedy is alive and well in Austin, and uh, drinking is too. So if you guys like to do any either one of those or both, I hate them both. It's, you know, 
absolutely. I hate, <laughs> I hate laughter. I hate alcohol. Like I can tell. I can see it in your eye, man. And this is like this is just you know yeah. this is hell on earth right now. <laughs> Please. Help. Come to Austin. Save me. Help. Save me. <laughs> you guys can't see it right now, but Matt has help written all over his face. It's really just in marker. Like, <laughs> that's why there's no footage for this episode. Like, I, 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 I sabotage the cameras for this. <laughs> I can't like hold my help sign up to the camera. No, it's it's really interesting. The Austin comedy scene, how it's blowing up and like how it's changing. It's also going to be interesting to see how it changes LA's comedy scene. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think you know, there's still there's still some time to Austin's not going to be is is not near what L.A. The only difference, I, in my opinion, um, obviously there's a little bit more stage time. I think still in L.A. Here it's just wide open, so you still get it, and there's still like good amount of stage time. Like you come around, like comedians. Uh, Chris Red is here from SNL. He's been here like for the last couple of days, but he can he he's been bouncing around. He goes from like he's doing like three spots a night, which is pretty fucking good i mean and it's all relatively close you don't have to worry about the traffic so it's a little bit different than la um but you know i don't the other opportunities the writing the movies the tv that stuff isn't here 100 that that's the difference like we'll have we you see professional comedians who also have other jobs they might move here but they the nice thing they can do is they can commute back and forth because it's not relatively it's not really expensive to do that like plane tickets right now the round trip is like 200 bucks if that yeah yeah it's cheap so they can go back and forth fuck if you want to drive to you can do that you know so it, it's it's going to be a unique situation it's you know what it is is like when austin was always a booming city i think people never uh, i don't know if people know this but like austin for the last 10 15 years has been consistently on the top uh 10 cities in the united states that are growing substantially when we moved down here six years ago, 140 people were moving here on average per day, per day. During the pandemic, it hit about 400 people per day. Yeah, a lot of people uh, bailed some major city centers for down here. Yes, yes. And now these prices, rent prices still didn't fucking go down. No. Motherfuckers. No. <laughs> it won't. It's hard to go down, you know? It's like, it's easy to go up. It's I hard know, to go I, down. I was at least able to negotiate my rate down a little bit. <laughs> no. Nope. Like, Come on, motherfuckers. You guys got like six empty units. Come on. Come on. Just down a little more. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's been wild, man. But it's it's a good time. I think um Austin still has some catching up, but it's gonna get there. Like the, the thing about the point I was trying to make with all that was uh it, it, before the pandemic, it was growing because of the tech boom. It, it took over for the most amount of startups over silicon valley so it had that going and you see like apple is invested in the community as well they're putting in fifteen thousand jobs uh you got other major corporations obviously tesla is going to put their headquarters here now so there's a lot of like other growth from there and that helps i think the comedy scene as well um but that took a while for them to kind of overtake silicon valley and that's what i see with austin is from a comedy perspective it's going to take a few more maybe like another year or two to kind of get up to par with where la is new york i think always will be new york it's not going to change it hasn't changed i mean there also have been some comedians that have come down here and they spent some time they're like eh, austin's not really my city oh yeah and that's the thing at the end of the day la will, will always have a comedy scene because yeah. you'll have people that are more interested in being on television being on that part of entertainment that do comedy what? not comedian but i think part of the boom the the boon of rogan and a lot of the big names coming down here is you'll see some people that may not have been getting as much stage time yes. the clubs yes. in LA getting up and be like oh hey you're my new favorite comedian yeah there's a ton of comedians like that that like dylan sullivan great example he was a door guy at uh the comedy store moved down here gets tons of stage time one of my favorite comedians uh derek poston another guy door guy uh san hamad another guy moved down there from la door guy there david lucas like he was a regular but he was a door guy at the comedy store he was a regular and killed tony but i felt like when he moved well he didn't really i don't think he technically moved here but when he started spending time down here is when you start things popping off for him and uh william montgomery you know he was always a success but you know he coming down here he's getting a lot more stage time so it is cool but the same thing happens now in la 
when those guys leave or even like Rogan and Segura and when they're moving down here, that opens up opportunities for other people that weren't getting those opportunities in LA. And so there's a little bit of a shift, right? On both sides, which is really cool to see, you know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I have not been back to the store since things have reopened. I mean, LA's only been officially reopened for about a week and a half, two weeks. So. I think I'm going to fly out there in the next like month or so to go visit the store and, and check out some other places. So I'll hit you up when I get out. Oh, there, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just be prepared to black out. Oh, I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Jack Daniels, so. That was back in the day. I could drink maybe like a, two drinks of that. <laughs> now, I'm a lightweight when it comes to I don't drink that much anymore. I actually don't like drinking that much. I like to sip on it like the the whistle pig, like shout out to whistle pig and uh, our boys over there. Like I love. Oh, yeah. We I'm like holding up the camera. I'm like, oh, I forgot. There's no camera. Yeah, and we should have done that with the camera. You broke it. Yeah, yeah. But but the whistle pig is one of my favorite bourbons. Like I, I fell in love with it. And I actually I drink tequila like once in a while. But besides that, like I smoke a little bit, but I like to keep it level headed because every time I'm here, I'm working. You know, that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I also got a little bit older that I found that if I drink too much or not the right things, that my body is so affected by it now just because it's like it's out of practice. Um, and it's healthy. I think it's healthy. That's why, too. No, no, no. No, no. no, no. If it was healthy, you'd metabolize it right away and you'd be fine. Like, I fucking was on a bender last night. I'm here. I'm good. Oh, look at you. Just rub it in my face. Hey. You know, you throw the weed shit in my face. So it's only fair. It's only fucking fair. How about this? Yeah. You match me shot. I will do. I will do a puff for every shot you take, and we'll see who ends up where. Uh, yeah, that'll end up really well. I, can we document that though first? Of course. Okay, of let's course. do it. Let's do it. Put that shit on the internet for All right. sure. <laughs> when I come to LA, we'll do that. Yeah, Brandon's puking. I'm unconscious. Yes. Like <laughs> I'm puking on you while you're unconscious. <laughs> like, like, I didn't think weed made you puke. What the fuck? <laughs> like I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm into some weird shit, but that ain't it. <laughs> but oh man, I know we have to like actually like do some work and get it, you know, towards the show here in a moment. Yes. Yeah. But we will definitely do this again. We'll I do appreciate you, man. Up in LA. Yeah. Tell everybody where they can find Big Laugh, find you, all that fun shit. You can go check us out. We have a, a ton of shows. If you've ever come to Austin, San Antonio, we do shows. Now we're doing it in Fort Worth um, and soon to come Houston. But you can check us out at BL Comedy. Dot com. We also have a bunch of content that we're producing. Bobby, our mutual friend, is actually uh, leading all the way with all that. So he's got some great stuff up there. We got some podcasts coming out. Lots of big things happening with with uh, Big Laugh Comedy. You know, we're in fucking Texas. You got to do it big. So uh, it's going to be great. Check us out on there. You can also check us out on all the social medias. Go on our Instagram at Big Laugh Comedy Network and uh, follow us on there. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Matt, for oh, having me on. This was, a, this was a lot of fun, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And as always, I don't know why I'm mugging to the camera that's off. It's a sucking. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a habit, man. It's yes, it is. But as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Drink it. Drink it.